this person, Jenna Marbles, was truly apologetic and did truly feel bad about this stuff. There seems to be no system of legitimate atonement for a sin. What are apologies? Seriously, like technically, what is an apology and what is its goal? It's a question of a statute of limitations, just like with an actual crime. I guess ultimately, I feel like we're sledgehammering it all. It almost seems like because it's so hard to develop the nuances of how to adjudicate different transgressions. But I do hope and want these discussions to happen because like fundamentally, I think that we have a really serious problem with how we're kind of interacting with each other on this level. And and I don't have an answer for how it gets better. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. But we learned recently that I am not always with you. You are not always here. And I I have to confess to the audience that I've been I've been telling fibs, Kevin. Uh-oh. I made a grand fib about about your absence. I said you were in sardine jail. Um, wove <laughs> a, a j- <laughs> complex tale. Hold on, hold on. Is this a jail made of sardines or is this a jail specifically for sardine related crimes? You were being held in jail on suspicion of sardine related crimes, which the more I thought about it, this is actually pretty interesting because once you start involving the maritime law aspect, like there are several jurisdictions that that could take an interest in a sardine related crime and it could get really messy if this kind of thing existed. So that was the idea. I'm like, okay. Um, if, if Kevin has potentially committed a sardine related crime, this can go on indefinitely because it has the potential to be very, very complex. It has the potential to, to cause wars. I think, I think wars have been fought over things uh, that land in disputes between you know neighboring countries on the sea. Yes, and I think that we should we should declare war. I've been following the King Oscar Sardines account very closely on Twitter, and King Oscar, I don't like their style. I don't like their sardines, and I I really have an issue with how they present themselves. And I think that it's probably time for Eagle Brand Sardines uh, to to declare war on King Oscar, but we, what do we they need, do? We need why, to, do you, why do you hate them so much? <laughs> What's the problem? Because they King... exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought perhaps there was some like specific, uh, like marketing thing that they're doing that you find distasteful. No, they're a pretty old company. Uh, oh. and they, they've had, uh, the same marketing and, you know, the King Oscar brand. I mean, like if you, we're going to create a sardine company in 2020, you're probably not going to call it something like King Oscar. So by the name alone, you know that this thing is, is, you know, been around for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was thinking about who we could help Eagle brand declare war on. And it, this may be a surprise, but there aren't a lot of, a lot of options for a sardine company to lash out. Well, maybe that's a, that, that'll be our next business venture 
is actually creating <laughs> <laughs> create unknown sardines. <laughs> but so uh, no, you were not in sardine jail. No. If, so, if, but you were gone for a, a substantial period of time, um, because things come up. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, life happens, and you know, we had a significant and irreplaceable death in the family that we're continuing to deal with every single day. And it's one of those things that we'll now deal with for the rest of our lives. You know, life is different now. And, um, it's, it's, it's just a fact of life, you know? So yeah, things have been on the back burner for me, um, personally, because there have been like major, major life things, uh, occurring on my end. It it hasn't been (laughs) a vacation, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, though. And we've had kind of a perfect storm with all of this, too, because there have been a lot of times in the past where something comes up and, you know, I pick up a little bit of slack. Something comes up for me. You carry the, you know, the load that I, I leave behind for a while, whatever. And it, like this is completely normal and pretty much every operation functions that way. Um, this time around, we both got hit with big things at the same time. Yeah. Uh, in that, that just made things incredibly difficult. You know, you, uh, you know, you just talked about that part. I had, uh, I had illnesses, which thankfully did not, uh, did not result in a death. But if, you know, people are talking about hospitalizations and all of this stuff with, with, uh, the COVID related sicknesses and all that, let me tell anybody, uh, who has heard about this, but not experienced this. Anything hospital related right now is absolutely nuts, even when it has nothing at all to do with this virus, Uh, because your situation didn't, mine didn't, but the restrictions and regulations, it turns into, it takes a nightmarish situation and makes it 15 times worse instantly. You know, you you can't go see people and uh, the, the hospitals are uh, spread very thin and they have to wait on all sorts of testing related virus, even if it has nothing to do with anything. And like, it is so easy for things to get completely nuts. You know, I had to call an ambulance at one point and your ambulances are not Ubers, right? If you're calling one, it's because there's some sense of urgency. You'd think that. Uh, and you know, when that shows up, the, the very first thing was, you know, giving like an extremely detailed account of, uh, any travel, um, which I had none of, neither did the affected person. Um, but, uh, still just going over, like it was 15 minutes of stuff. And I'm thinking like, will you, will you just go take care of this emergency situation? I pushed the nine one one buttons for a reason. You ding dongs. Um, but that's just the the sort of thing that happens. And, uh, yeah, whether it's an emergency situation or a drawn out thing or a combination of them, uh, it's nuts, it's nuts and it's life ruining and you can't get a whole lot of work done as it happens. If you can get anything useful done and stay afloat there, it is an absolute miracle. Um, and it's, it's too bad that, that people don't know the degree to which you kept your stuff afloat when of all the people I know, I mean, I bet 
19 out of 20 people who I know in that situation, it's hopeless. They fold instantly. Yeah. So, um, nobody will see what you pulled off, but the people who listen to this show should know that, that you worked a miracle by continuing to do, uh, you know, YouTube stuff, um, slamming out, creating and, and slamming out a very good TikTok account with a ton of TikToks, um, just all sorts of stuff, advancing a bunch of different projects in the, the free minutes between the insanity. So, uh, yeah. Well, and I, yeah, I think that that's a testament, Matt, to a lot of the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, you know, over the years in terms of systems and working with people and being able to rely on people um, so that it's you're not just this one man band. I mean, we had that whole uh, episode that we did about the one man band syndrome of YouTubers, and it's really not sustainable. It's not the only way that works is when everything is going perfectly. And everything. guess what? Everything is not going to go perfectly forever. At some point, something is going to go very, very not perfectly. And uh, to have all the other elements of your life uh, be uh, like unable to function will just add like that much more, you know, devastation to an already devastating event, if that makes sense. Now that I'm thinking about this in detail, you're right that a lot of different themes that we've talked about came came up during that period for us. The one that you just mentioned, um, where you know you're rolling the dice on everything going well, and you feeling even when things go well, you've got to feel good and be productive. You know there can be no problems in your life, and you still really kind of aren't firing at a hundred percent. Like that's also totally plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also talked about surrounding yourself with decent people and networking and all of that stuff. And this is where I want to say uh, another thank you to John Swan for jumping in and being you for a couple episodes, talking about his stuff, which was very cool. Uh, people liked that a lot. Um, and uh, uh, grabbing on to some of the audio editing and, and just if, if we didn't know people like John, we don't have anybody who, who we can turn to, uh, when, when there's a, a problem like that or a full blown crisis, which I had, and then you had, and then we both had, you know, it, you've got to have all of these things that we've talked about for two years now, almost, they all add up to being able to function with something like this. Uh, so I, I say thank you again to John. However, he has blown up in popularity in the last yeah. few weeks, like shockingly fast growth. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that happened right when he, he did two episodes of the create unknown. <laughs> yeah. So as much yeah. as I want to thank John, I, th- I think that we've already given him the gift of massive, massive popularity. Those, 50,000 subs, 60,000, whatever it is. By the time this comes out, it'll be 100,000 more. Very, very likely due to the two episodes that that John popped on for. Yeah. Sheer causation and not correlation. Uh, totally. I'm not going to research this deeply enough to disprove that. Why would you? I, I think it's a good theory. And, you know, 
it makes us look good. We'll stick to it. But um, speaking of the podcast and our listeners, we got packages out. So many of them are in their hands. Uh, you yeah. were amazing at putting all of those together. You know, we've been talking about it for months and piecing things together over the last several months. And uh, finally, it all came together. And I hope that everyone is really, all the patrons are really excited about their their little bundle of joy that they re- received or are or are about to receive in the mailbox. Yeah, by the time by the time you're listening to this, all but just a, a handful of international people will will have uh, their packages in hand. And right now, I'd say uh, I'd say half to two thirds have had them show up already. Um, and you know, the, most of the rest in the next few days, that's very cool. Um, yeah. And as I wrote in the note in there, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that it, it took a while, uh, but it was, yeah, the, the problems that we just described for me on my end, like literally popped the day after <laughs> we dropped this podcast saying like, yeah, uh, shipments incoming. Uh, like life is amazing. Going to get right on that. Uh, on the flip side though, the delay did result in us continuing to order stuff to put in those packages. So if there's any consolation there, yeah, if there's any consolation, the extra time meant like a jam packed, uh, thing of, of, uh, items that, yeah, that, that, uh, range from, uh, artwork that you commissioned a while ago that we're going to turn into some things. Uh, to, you know, some standard promotional stuff to just strange things, very odd art, things. Art from our own community. You know, we had artwork yes. from Andre uh, in there. Yeah. And, and and the delay also allowed more people to get packages because as we've gained yep. more patrons, uh, we have gained more people to send stuff to. So if you missed out on this round and you want to get on the next round of packages that will put together and the next treasure trove of create unknown stuff uh, go to patreon.com slash the create unknown become part of the dumpster crew become a two dollar tot or you know become a part of the baby gang that's right uh, the the number of babies continues to <laughs> continues to grow we're running out of cribs um <laughs> but when you do go to the patreon page we have updated things a little bit because uh, if i don't i don't know if everybody has seen this online but patreon is now charging a sales tax to places in the past that did not charge it and that that tax it's actually a very complex system where the tax is tied to certain things and not others so if you generally support a show if your contribution is in general support of a show, for example, there is no tax. That's not a taxable gift. Um, if there is merchandise attached to it, that portion is taxable. So it's this complex system of sorting out what percentage of taxable things constitute a series of donations. And it's a, a gigantic mess that Patreon did not handle terribly well. Um, they are extremely low on my list of friends and rising quickly on my list of enemies. They've, they've <laughs> almost surpassed King Oscar sardines. Wow. Um, but yeah, so, so you won't see a whole lot about those benefits because if we don't promise it to you on the page, then it can't be dinged by your 
local, state, federal, international governments, whatever it is. So you won't see a lot about it. You will just have to have blind faith that we will punish you with packages when the time comes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a total secret. It's uh, officially not tied to the Patreon, but um, no. between us and you, um, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. There may be a little bonus in it in the mail for you if you become a patron. Now, something happened recently in the YouTube sphere that I really wanted to talk about. You know, in terms of the news cycle of the internet, this is ancient history at this point, but I actually don't care because I want to ask. It's been days. Oh my gosh, days. Yeah, days are years when it comes to uh, things to talk about online. But the 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 event is just the catalyst what i really want to discuss are underlying questions that i think need to be asked about what happened because i don't hear anybody asking these questions so i want to talk about this stuff so because it's going to keep happening it's happening more and more it's going to continue to happen so what are we doing here we're starting by throwing out a big rip aren't we we have we have an rip in the youtube community Potentially, potentially. Yeah. So uh, Jenna Marbles, who is one of the longest standing, most popular YouTubers in the history of the platform, has canceled herself, as as the, the phrase goes. She has stepped away from YouTube recently due to old offensive videos that she was embarrassed to have made. Her fans were upset with her having had made those videos. She had uh, privated them, I believe, or, or perhaps deleted them altogether. Um, but anyway, she took them down, we can say. But that really wasn't enough. I mean, if you watch her video, she is completely guilt-stricken over this entire thing and has decided to just walk away altogether indefinitely. I have a question about this. I want to jump in and ask you this uh, because you're right about her reaction. As she describes this, she made a video talking about why why she was canceling herself, which is a bit of a first, by the way, um, seeing somebody self-police to that degree. I, I can't think of an example where somebody's really done that. Uh, wow. not, on, not on that scale. Not somebody as high profile as Jenna Marbles. Um, so th- that was a big thing. But... I was unclear on on a portion of what you just said about her community being upset about her old videos. Was that really the case or did she did she do it as kind of a preemptive thing because she she was clear on knowing that material was just not all right anymore. Um I think the videos were 2012, 2013 around there. Uh racial comedy, uh, I forget. I forget all of them. Um, but yeah, she showed clips and said, this is terrible. I regret it a lot. Uh, here it is. I've made it private. I didn't know though, if, if she was doing that because she wanted to kind of get out in front of her own cancellation, which I mean in a positive way, uh, not in a self-serving way, uh, or was her community really upset about these? So from what I remember of the video, I thought that she had mentioned taking them down a while ago. Like that. I thought so too. 
that it wasn't that she like just decided to take them down today. And also I'm just going to take myself down along with them. It seemed as though she had previously removed those because she was ashamed of them. Yeah. But for, and look, you know, it's hard for me as an outside, as an outsider here in her community. I'm not in her community. Like I don't watch her videos. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not privy to the tweets she's getting. Like it's outside my circle of friends on YouTube. So it's not clear to me exactly the mechanism by which she was feeling overwhelmed by her fans or, or, or maybe by people who aren't her fans and just need, were using her as a target. I'm not sure the truth is. And the facts are that she was very clearly crushed emotionally and like mentally. And, and it seemed like, you know, spiritually, professionally, in all ways crushed by the shame she felt for having created these videos. Um, You mentioned one was a racial comedy thing. Another one was um, the differences between men and women. She also felt bad about, you know, uh, enforcing uh, gender stereotypes, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, she's gone, I guess, now. And I I just wonder what that means. I wonder what that means for a lot of things. You know, first of all, it seems to me like this person, Jenna Marbles, was truly apologetic and did truly feel bad about this stuff. So the first thing that popped into my head was, a person who actually did feel bad, this was not like a phony thing, is now gone. It cannot can can now no longer make positive content for people to enrich their lives and entertain them, etc. It, it you know that that it seems crazy to me. Like I get someone doing a terrible thing, <laughs> not feeling guilty about it, and then um, you know that's one thing. But another thing is somebody actually being guilty and then just stopping altogether anyway and now being gone. Like, that doesn't seem like a good outcome to me. This is this is pretty interesting for you to talk about this because you say you're not in her community. You're not in her circle of of tight friends. Um, You don't follow all of her videos and podcast stuff by the minute. However, you are in the same community in terms of old YouTube. There are not a lot of people who have been on that platform for the length of time that she has, and you're one of them. And so you do you do have a, a unique perspective on uh, on what it's like to make a lot of content, to look back at content and think of it differently. Which we've talked about this on the podcast, not in terms of uh, anything offensive or whatever, but like. Sometimes you you look back at old things, old videos you've made or something you've written. And I mean, generic you, not you, you, but I mean, just anything you've done and think just, ah, oh, that's cringe. That sucks. That wasn't very good. Or I totally missed the point or I blew an opportunity to do X, Y, or Z. You just have some regret over it and you don't do that anymore. You know, like you, you can kind of fix that in terms of your content like that, but you're talking now about, um, about 
apologies, really, and how there seems to be no system of legitimate atonement for a sin. Uh, that's that that's a little strange because she did make this video, which I thought was very good. Um, she was honest about what what was wrong with her content in her view. She played it straight up. I mean, she addressed it like as head on as is possible. Uh, she played the offensive clips and said, yeah, this was bad. Um, and even though it was really over the top comedy, uh, it, she still regretted it. Uh, and then explained how much she did <laughs> regret her judgment at the time. Uh, and her current con uh, content doesn't reflect that in the slightest. So she did as much of an apology as I think anybody can do. She showed as much of that development and growth and whatever term you want to use as anybody can have. And it didn't seem to matter a whole lot. Do you think, do you think there's a way at this point to apologize? Is it possible? I, I don't know. I, that, that, yeah, you articulated it much better than I did. So thank you for that. Cause that is exactly what I was trying to get to is what are apologies? Like, like seriously, like technically what is an apology and, and what is its goal? Okay. Because I see this now all the time. I don't care who the offending party is and who, you know, and, and what they're apologizing for whenever they, you know, release some kind of statement, it can be a person, it can be a corporation, it can be anything. Okay. If someone is apologizing, I swear, and maybe this is just an online thing, and maybe that's, you know, it's a specific thing to social media, and perhaps like we should talk more about that. But the first several comments, or maybe the the whole string of replies to that apology, are people who don't believe the apology. Like, have you seen this? Like, whenever you yeah, click on like a Twitter assumes. apology, yeah, it's like a bunch of people being like. Well, you didn't apologize exactly the way that I expected you to. So apology not right. accepted. It's like, well, what? Right. It's like they assume straight away that the apology has the same energy as like your teacher forcing you to say sorry to somebody. Or if your your parents intervene in a sibling fight and it's like, apologize to your brother. You right. I mean? like, yeah. You really actually are not sorry for what you did to your brother. <laughs> but yeah. You're you just saying have it because you have to go through it anyway. You're just mouthing yeah. the words for your mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you were forced to. <laughs> uh, and I think that the initial reaction is that if somebody's apologizing, it's because they were forced to and they don't really mean it. Right. Um, it's some, well, sometimes it is obvious that, you know, you read this statement that's so weirdly canned and so oddly impersonal and strange, which that does happen a lot on the corporate accounts because they're going to speak in a different language. But sometimes you get it on personal accounts where, you know, it's like, did you, did you let the ink dry when your like PR consultant who wrote this out for you? uh you know scratched it on the paper or you know, like it just doesn't seem genuine at all but jenna's jenna's apology there if it's not genuine she sure faked it nicely because it came across as the most genuine real thoughtful 
introspective analysis of her own body of work that anybody could muster. Um, is that good enough for people? <sighs> seems to depend on who you are. It seems to depend on the, the crime you've committed, right? You know, the, I mean, there, there are people who are never going to accept an apology when the offense is um, physical or sexual abuse related. And I get that. The severity of that is, is just, it, it triggers some people to the point where they say, no matter what, your apology isn't good enough. I get that. Mm-hmm. Jenna made some, made some jokes at the expense of, you know, different ethnicities and whatever. Uh, so uh, as distasteful as they may be, you know, it's, it's a far cry from something like sexual assault. Um. It still didn't seem to matter to a lot of people. And, you know, it didn't even matter enough to her because she quit. Like, it, it wasn't good enough to redeem her in her own eyes and continue. Well, not only that, like, I wonder what other thoughts that she has swirling around her head in regards to this situation that, you know, she's not going to share in such a video or perhaps share at all in public. But at some level... Another thing that I thought came into play here is like you mentioned, she's been on the platform forever since the beginning. And she, as far as I know, has never really taken a break, has always put out videos. She has a podcast. I mean, there must be an absolutely astonishing amount of Jenna Marbles content just from like a runtime perspective available online that has been generated and publicly dispersed around the world for the last how many years? I don't know. Thousands 12 years of hours, thousands of hours. I was adding it up the other day for the create unknown podcast. And we had for a long time and every two weeks of a biweekly show. Um, we've been for the most part weekly, just skipping a few out of necessity since I don't know, January, December, something like that. It's not like it's a full-time job uh, at all. That's not our primary content creation. And we have about a hundred hours of content almost. Wow. That doesn't, yeah. And, and that doesn't count like any impromptu stuff that we've done. It doesn't count the bajillions of hours we've talked to people in discord, which is content in its own way, different thing, but you know, it's, it's, stuff out there that you're doing sure. that's a hundred hours so you talk about jenna being on the platform to the point where when all of this broke by the way people in discord were, do- were talking about it uh, maria and dojangles both were saying like this is you know kind of the first thing i watched on youtube this is what got me into youtube so think how long ago that has to be uh to be the first <laughs> the first thing somebody watched on YouTube, right? So it's got to be thousands and thousands of hours. Uh, and how many minutes of her content does she regret? A total of probably, I don't know, 10 minutes out of thousands of hours. Um, it's apparently, that, that's apparently enough. But if you are going to draw a line and say, 
there's a certain percentage of what you do that's too offensive. And when you hit that percentage, it's a problem. I don't know what that percentage is. So on one hand, I look at it and think, well, this, this is crazy because it's overwhelmingly great stuff and it just has this little blip, but I also can't draw a line to where it becomes a problem. Well, we, we also are super, super bad and confused about, about where to draw the line on things that like when Jenna was making that stuff, it was in bad taste then, right? However, social dynamics have changed so that today the thing that wasn't, that was already in bad taste is now amplified, right? And kind of pinpointed by people by being, um, it's just put under a magnifying glass that, and the the people holding that magnifying glass are saying, look, we're not going to put up with this anymore, right? Like this kind of joke that, that everybody got away with was messed up then it's messed up now and we're not going to put up with it anymore. Like stop doing this. And you know, you are going to be called out for that. Like that, that's right. Like that's like the underlying kind of principle here. Um, but it seems like what we're, what we are bad at is determining what the, the punishment for that is. Cause it'd be, as far as I'm concerned, and maybe people can disagree with this. If she made those jokes yesterday, then it's like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, right. why would you make that joke? That's super messed up. When she made jokes like that 10 years ago, there has to be some level of context provided that states that like it was wrong then it's wrong now, but you didn't do it now. So the degree to which you should, you know, have your life ruined today seems to be not in the calculation. It's a question of a statute of limitations, just like with an actual crime. And for some things, there is no statute of limitations. You know, you, 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 can't get away with murder in most places just because it's been a sufficiently long time. Um, some, some crimes you can, (laughs) you know, if it's been X number of years, depending on the crime, the statute of limitations has expired. Uh, But in those cases, the criminal act is so, so carefully outlined and so clear that you can draw that line with this stuff. It's not clear and it varies from person to person. The way you're going to process it is very different than the way I'm going to process it. And the crazy thing about that is you and I think pretty similarly about a lot of these issues and we're Mm -hmm. still going to reach completely different conclusions about what was wrong when and to what degree it was wrong, you know, and you're talking about things in the past and, and things being different. Well, at that time, yeah, it was over the top edgy stuff. Bo Blacks uh, is under fire now. He's a YouTuber who archives a lot of Twitter fights and Twitter drama, and he's obsessive with archiving and then arranging. And so he'll make a video about, uh, like, for example, H3 versus Keemstar, and it's like a 30-minute thing where he goes over all of the evidence on the tweets, you know, and reads those tweets out. Well, Bo Blacks, you know, said and did some two edgy things when he was a teenager and uh you know now now it's 
he's getting uh, quite a bit of heat for that. Um, was the climate different on social media four or five years ago? Yeah, it absolutely was. You know, I think of George Carlin many years ago and uh, saying saying this bit is, you know, this one's going to get the episode demonetized. Uh, and it, I will preface it by saying I'm not endorsing this. I'm simply a purveyor of the historical record when I describe this. But he had, uh, as part of one of his routines, uh, saying, oh, there are things you, you can't joke about. And one of those things that you can't joke about is rape and sexual assault. And his routine for that point was, yeah, you can absolutely make, make it funny. Um, and, and if you don't believe that, uh, think of Porky Pig assaulting Elmer Fudd and does uh, these impressions of you know what that would sound like and this and that. So that must have been the mid-80s. Um, he was a supreme boundary pusher in terms of what was acceptable and incorporated that in his routine. Like I just said, talking about boundaries and why you have them and why sometimes they shouldn't exist and, and all of that. Um, but you look at that and say, well, that's, that's 35 years ago. The climate was completely different then. If somebody uploaded a video that made the same case that he did in that joke to YouTube right now, oh, I, it, nobody would think it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. everybody would say that's going to be removed from the platform within minutes. <laughs> like if, if it even makes it out of, uh, you know, processing, that's not going to be available to hit publish on because it's so clear that this violates the terms of service of the platform. Um, at what point did that kick in 2014, 20, 2017? I don't know when that switch flipped, but it did. Right. Was it not acceptable in by the nineties? No, you could have gotten away with it. There's a lot of really edgy stuff out there. Um, early two thousands. I don't know. Uh, you think of some of the radio people who have gotten in trouble. And I think of Don Imus who died not that long ago. Um, he said a, a pretty offensive thing, uh, about the Rutgers, uh, women's basketball team years ago. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that thing about the thousands of hours of content. Don Imus was on the radio for like three hours a morning, five days a week for literally like 50 years. <laughs> Do you, like, I, one of the first things I thought when that story broke is, wow, think, think of what it must be like to talk for tens of thousands of hours and not not say anything cancelable you know in a way it's it's remarkable that you can do so much stuff and and not have have you know bad judgment to the degree to which people are very upset about it or you deserve to be taken off a platform um but yeah all this stuff is very related and very murky and i don't know i don't know how you draw a clean line around anything especially with personalities involved um you, you think of the the perpetual onision debate well onision and jenna marbles are two very different people in terms of who they are and what their content is mm-hmm. can i make a rule that applies to the both of them equally 
I don't think I can. No, no, you can't make a rule. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, it, everything has to be judged as an individual case. And and that's kind of where I've I've come to conclude with a lot of this stuff on that I see on social media where it is it all lives in the gray area all of these things and you'll see for instance some people being attacked over a thing that is n- not by a lot of people's estimation that big of a deal and it's treated with the same kind of significance as something that is extremely serious and I guess ultimately, I feel like we're sledgehammering it all. Does that make sense? It almost seems like because it's so hard to develop like the nuances of how to adjudicate different transgressions and the different severity of trend. I mean, what I was thinking about the other day, I was literally like, this is why we have a judicial system. I'm like, It's, 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 this is why we have a judicial system to, to figure this stuff out. Like it's why there are lawyers and there are juries and you have a trial and there's a judge that oversees it all. And there are like investigations with the, you know, detectives and like forensic scientists. I mean, think about how much is involved in figuring out whether or not you know, this person is guilty of that. It's it's an insanely right. complicated system involving like professionals across a ch- gigantic swath of humanity to figure out one thing. And and guess what? They get it wrong still all the time. A lot. Yeah, uh, how many like horror stories time. do you hear about people yeah. who have been in jail for like 40 years for a crime that they didn't commit? And it's like, the one it's so disturbing that that happens it's so horrible that that happens and if it didn't happen netflix would lose like 58% of its content <laughs> overnight yeah they would uh, but even i want to extend that because even when they get it right you still have philosophical problems that come with things like punishment we have unequal right. punishment for things uh yeah. so even when when the actual adjudication and an outcome are not in doubt there's a new can of worms to open that's extremely difficult and murky you know and and we talk about you talked about all the elements that go in to determining guilt well i was i was talking with somebody the other day about, well about a few weeks ago about hammurabi's code you know this uh, the the eye for an eye punishment of days of old and yeah. that's something that is completely misunderstood and misread find your sixth grade history teacher and and go and just slap them silly for Why? making you believe that yeah, let me let me think who yours was yeah yeah <laughs> you can slap him and i won't have a problem with it um <laughs> people think it's a very vengeful thing this eye for an eye justice yeah that is very very likely not the motivation behind it the motivation behind it people confuse can confuse it with some of the vengefulness in in the old testament which is a completely separate thing from what hammurabi was dealing with um but it places limits on the punishment so for example the idea of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth says that if somebody takes out your eye, you can't murder them 
because that is too much of a punishment for the crime that they they did. Oh. Uh, it's yeah, so it sounds on the surface as though you're really paying them back for the wrong that they've done to you. Well, that's true to a point, but it's also setting limits on that punishment. And that's a really important concept. You're talking about not being able to separate the really serious stuff from some of the minor things, because no, I don't think that some of the sexual assaults that we've heard about with Twitch streamers, uh, especially lately, you know, not to focus just on them, but that's just been the rush of allegations lately has happened on Twitch. But I, I don't compare the victim of a sexual assault to uh, Jenna Marbles making a bad joke. I don't think those offenses are the same. However, we don't seem to have a limit on the punishment for anybody. You know, right. it's like, God, there's a scary spider in my kitchen and the solution is to just drop a bomb on the house. Right. It's complete overkill. And it is tricky to decide what the appropriate you know, punishment should be and who gets to decide it. Is it the platform? Is it the person's fans? Because fan bases are going to vary wildly um, in terms of their commitment and their level of investment and, you know, the type of content that's happened and just, it's really murky. And I get that. But at the same time, huh, we have really serious problems and we have some that are less serious. If we can't make a distinction between those two things and make a distinction between how we respond to them, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. I think, I think we're already there. That that's kind of what, that that's what hit me so hard with the Jenna Marbles thing in particular is, is I felt to me, and this can just be me and that's okay. But to me, it was a watershed moment for me. And it opened my eyes to the fact that like, look, this is life ruining to somebody who is, I believe is genuinely apologetic, yep. took the videos down. Right. And it still seems to be ruining her to the point where she can't do the thing that she's great at and that she loves doing and that millions of people gain and benefit from simply due to this guilt. I did get the sense that she did that, that she canceled herself in part because she's one of the OGs and she could look at that scenario and say, I have done this for 13 years. I, I don't know when she started, but I think it's something like 12, 13 years. She's had not only a long run, but pretty much the longest run of anybody aside from a couple people <laughs> who, you know, we've, we've talked to some of them uh, who you know, predated YouTube. Um, right. You can look at that and say, you know what? At this point, I think I'm going to call it that, 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 is okay if she wants to do that um would somebody who's only been doing it for three years respond the same way in her situation i i think probably not i think they kind of fight on through it and, and try to figure it out and i if if she wants to play it that way that's perfectly all right with me she has the right to dip out whenever she pleases and for whatever reason she pleases but i i, I feel like she may not have had the choice and something you mentioned to me a few days ago is that there uh, that I want you to elaborate on here is that there seems to be a tremendous bias built into social media that it's in favor of calling people out. Let's assume rightly 
let's assume, you know, it never happens wrongly, but in favor of calling people out and punishing them uh, compared to the ability for those people to defend themselves or even exonerate themselves. Yeah, I think that it's you, it's clear. I, I don't I don't see this even as an argument. I think it's very obvious that all social media, um, I see it probably on Twitter the most because I I'm on Twitter the most, is incredible is an incredible world changing tool for persecution. It's an incredible world changing tool to you know get the word out that someone, you know, potentially in power who otherwise has like all of these protections surrounding them um really needs to have a light, sh- you know, shown on their misdeeds or or whatever. It could be uh it gives it gives a voice to the voiceless is a theme that came up in uh this this TED talk that um a fan actually um sent to me it was um i have it written down here john john ronson has this ted talk from 2015 and the ted talk is called how one tweet can ruin your life and uh his kind of conclusion at the end of this ted talk is he says the great thing about social media was how it gave a voice to voiceless people but we're now creating a surveillance society where the smartest way to survive is to go back to being voiceless so that that's a little bit of a different topic at least the second half of that idea but the first half of the idea i think is so incredibly powerful is giving a voice to the voiceless it levels the playing field so that you know whether you're beyonce or you're kevin lieber you know you a tweet is a tweet and it get it gets yeah. sent out there to everyone okay that's astounding so the the dark side of all this is that it does I think everyone can agree create a system in which a lot of people can band together and go after someone without maybe uh you know in a way that seems like frontier justice like is that the analogy here is this like frontier justice where someone says you know I've been wronged by this person and then everybody gathers around them with their pitchforks and their torches like I'm yeah, not the saying that like assembles and hunts them down, um, which that stuff is like there's there's a time for it where it's a pretty useful thing to yeah. intervene in a timely fashion. Like this is perfectly appropriate sometimes and other times it circumvents that whole system of due process and thorough analysis that that you detailed a few minutes ago. Um, it's not always right to do one or the other, you know? And so always pushing toward this, this posse mob kind of thing, um, it creates a lot of problems. And whereas some people are going to be called out and dealt with very quickly, which is great, uh, or at least effective, you know, when I say great, I'm not necessarily endorsing it. I'm just saying like, it's an effective intervention. Um, huh. You get this situation where somebody like Jenna Marbles, who's demonstrating that that real contrition and, and regret, just instantly says, uh, "I'm I'm closing up shop. I'm done." You know, is that well, fair? Is that the outcome people want? I don't. I, I bet. I think some people do want that outcome. 
Probably. It makes them feel good and it makes them feel like, you know, they tip the scales on in, in the world and that they, you know, have some sort of power and, and meaning to their lives. But it's not it's not something that I don't feel good about Jenna Marbles quitting. And, and even you saying that, like her looking at her career and her bank account and and saying, like, you know, this isn't worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do get that. And I think that's valid. But I also find that to be. um depressing in its own way because it's not like uh i don't know it's not like she couldn't have kept going for if she wanted to she could have kept going she obviously still liked making videos i don't know if it's it's a weird situation to be like this isn't worth it anymore because of the toll that it's taking on me i don't need the money i just feel bad for her fans i feel bad for her true fans for people who look up to her you know one of the most powerful things about youtube and why i love it so much is that it gives so many different people from so many different walks of life people to look up to that i think are genuine people you know when we grew up okay we who did we look up to like athletes and actors and people that we really didn't know who they are like we liked their accomplishments and we liked the job that they did but i don't really know ken griffey jr deep down i just liked that he hit a lot of home runs and made cool catches in center field you know what i'm saying but like yeah it wasn't even possible to know very much at all about anybody's life and compare that to what it must have been like like in the 1920s how even less you knew uh you were reading something in the newspaper and that was kind of kind of it uh in term you know even radio programming and stuff just wasn't on par with what it is now and it was so heavily heavily scripted and confined you really didn't have any opportunities to know anything about anybody. And now you get to follow some people who put their life on display every day, all day. If you combine all the platforms, it's all day long. So even if somebody releases a video every few weeks or once a month or something like that, you get to see their micro thoughts on Twitter. You get to Mm -hmm. see, a rant on their Facebook page about something they care about. Um, just this, this whole, e- even if they're not talking, they're just responding to things. You get to see what they, what tweets they like, if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I don't think that's knowing somebody. And that's a topic that, that we've talked about talking about in the future on how well do you really know these, these content creators Yeah, and is it, its own kind of life that's happening. What's the relationship between that life and the real person's real life? Mm-hmm. That's a really good topic that I cannot wait to go over with the right guest. Um, but it's still a whole lot more than you watching sports center highlights in 1995. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, before we wrap up, I, I do also just want to say that, you know, my like justice system analogy is not, me endorsing that there are like Twitter police because that brings up its own like insane problems um, in and of itself. Uh, But I do hope and want these discussions to happen because like fundamentally, I think that we have a really serious problem with how we're kind of 
interacting with each other on this level. And, and I don't have an answer for how it gets better. Do you think since you brought up, uh, since you brought up the companies and the platforms, do you think a platform like Twitter has a role or can have a meaningful role one that's that's good and useful and not worse than the disease it's trying to cure in lessening the problems that you've talked about in uh disincentivizing the 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 mobs on this kind of thing uh that treat every infraction as being the most serious infraction do you think there's any hope that any of the problems you laid out uh, in the last hour can be sorted out lessened any of those things but perhaps perhaps I, perhaps um i mean i'm not an expert on algorithms and i'm not an, an expert on you know creating social media dynamics but or systems you know i know somebody had mentioned just recently i, I don't know if it was it might have been nerd city somebody made a tweet talking about um twitter having a dislike option so that at least there were like some sort of rating that can be attributed onto tweets that will quantify that not everybody agrees with this thing. Okay. At least yeah. it provides like some sort of like added counter for something that may have, that may be like terrible. It might be an outright lie, but it has 100,000 likes. And you're like, what? How can this outright lie have 100,000 likes? Well, maybe if there was a dislike button, it would have 1 million dislikes. And all of a sudden, there's there's <laughs> right. a little bit of like a, a <laughs> of a counterbalance available for people who are like, no, this is a lie. I mean, do I think it's up to them? Yeah. I do think that they have a responsibility for creating a, a safe and healthy platform for people to go to and interact with each other and not be embroiled in like constantly disruptive, destructive, and toxic affairs. I, uh, uh, I groan internally when I think about this because before YouTube stuff and, and even before the writing, uh, that, that I did a fair bit of, um, my interest was in schools and school policy. And I, I'm going to explain this real quick because so many, like, you know, half the people listening are not from the U.S. In the United States, public schools have a, a legal responsibility that's referred to as in loco parentis. Okay. And that means that schools can act in place of the parent. All right. They have a tremendous authority to do a lot of different things within the school because of the in loco parentis grant, uh, granted to them. This means that schools are often dealing with situations that do not happen on school grounds. So, for example, let's say there's a, a, a cyberbullying or harassment thing that's happening between some students. There's clearly an aggressor and a victim. This is all happening at night. Let's say it's happening on Twitter. Uh, that is not a school problem at all. It's happening off school grounds using no school resources and not on school hours. Can the school respond to that and deal with those students? Absolutely. Yes. In the United States, they have the right to do that. And that is extremely tricky. Anybody 
anybody listening here who's in the U.S. and went to school or is in school knows of a case with somebody they went to school with that brings this whole theory into question, whether it was some kid getting you know, uh, busted for drinking or drugs or something outside of school, yet was barred from sports, for example. You right. know, from playing sports or being in a play or just any kind of in-school punishment for an out-of-school thing. Um, I can't shake how similar that is in my head to to uh, to the platforms like Twitter and uh, you know I, I guess Facebook and and the rest, YouTube, Twitter and YouTube, really punishing people for stuff that happens that's kind of bigger than Twitter or YouTube. They have this weird in loco parentis style responsibility to solve a problem that is not actually theirs. Mm -hmm. They're forced to deal with it. And just like schools apply this in very murky ways, occasionally it's the right intervention. Most of the time it seems not to be. Um, I feel like the social media sites are in that same position where can they intervene? Do they have a responsibility to inter intervene? They, they, they probably do. Are they able to intervene effectively? Probably not. We haven't sorted it out. I mean, it's been many decades since the Supreme Court established the responsibilities that schools have over students. Um, and we still do not have <laughs> any clear handle on how to do it. And that's after literal, like three generations, four generations of people going through uh, school since the, the relevant rulings. Um, does it, that mean Twitter can pick up the problem in 2020 and solve it in a meaningful way by 2021? I have my doubts. You know, I think they're going to try though. I think they're going to try. I think they're going to slam down. Um, I think from the interventions we've seen, they're going to be severely biased. Uh, it, it's, I don't think it's going to go well. No, 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 no. But, but I also, at the same time, like, as you're talking about this, I want to be a little bit clear as to, I want to make another analogy. Okay. So the K-pop stan, uh, community. Oh, no. Okay. I, oh, I know no. we're, we're going to get, we're what gonna are get you crushed. doing? We're going to get crushed now. <laughs> That's the point. The fact that you're like, what are you doing is the point. Okay. <laughs> because every day you will see the K-pop stands canceling someone for whatever, okay? It'll be like, cancel, I don't know, uh, cancel Beyonce because she stubbed her toe. You know, this is such a stupid mm -hmm. example, but, but that's how I feel about it. And what happens is, because here's my point, I think as it stands, Twitter incentivizes this behavior and in a way that they do have a responsibility for how their platform works and what people are doing on it, okay, to gain attention. So the K-pop stands will just get together and decide to cancel, you know, uh, whomever um, for the day. Uh, and then it's trending. Then it's trending. And they're all excited that it's trending because, you know, cancel Kevin Lieber <laughs> became trending on Twitter. So they feel powerful and they feel great. And meanwhile, the, the whole point of that is to slander someone. Okay. Yeah. The analogy that I wanted to make was, was with 
YouTube's Reply Girls. And I know that we've mentioned this on the podcast before. I don't remember with whom. But back in the day, many of our listeners will not remember this, and that's okay. There were these th- there were people called Reply Girls. And what Reply Girls were, were say that Eminem has a new music video. You know, Eminem's Lose Yourself is like the number one video on YouTube, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, a girl wearing a very low-cut shirt would record a video with her webcam and just title it like Reply Eminem Lose Yourself. And it would just be her rambling for a few minutes like, wow, Lose Yourself is so great. Uh, I love Eminem. Remember to subscribe. And it would be served as a recommended video on Eminem Lose Yourself. Okay. Okay. So these Reply Girls were getting millions of views because the way that the YouTube algorithm worked at the time, it allowed them to hijack it so that these like really garbage videos were being shown (laughs) alongside (laughs) alongside, uh, the top videos of the day every single day on YouTube. So it became this thing known as Reply Girls. YouTube squashed it. They created some sort of whatever in the algorithm to figure out how to get rid of those Reply Girls from showing up in the feeds uh, or the recommended videos of the top videos of the day. And guess what? They're gone. That's not a thing anymore. What I'm saying is I think, and I I, I don't have the answer here. I don't have the answer here. And these are, this is just me thinking out loud that there there should be or there may maybe should be it's a consideration at least i think and should be asked whether or not this is a good idea of altering the platform in some way so that like a very powerful collection of online users can't all of a sudden just get something trending because they're all using a hashtag like that seems bad right. I, when I wake up each day, every single day on Twitter, on the sidebar, there's something, um, you know, somebody, it's somebody is over party. And the crazy thing is that when you click it, most of what you see is people asking why, what they've done, why they're over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, like nobody even knows, uh, they're just trending for some reason. And there have been fake deaths on that or if it's an older person and their name pops, you, you get like the first 20 replies are like, thank God Henry Winkler, the Fonz isn't dead. You know, I saw him trending and assumed he was dead. <laughs> like, Okay. Yeah. But why is Henry Winkler trending? I don't even know. And at this point, I, I pretty much just give up and think, well, if it's real news, then I'll hear it later in the day. It'll come up. But that just shows how bonkers that trending stuff is. But it reminds me of, and this, what I'm reminded of here is why I'm so, I feel this is so hopeless because this has been a problem forever. And when I say forever, I don't mean 50 years. I mean, 500 years and way, way, way before it. You know, there's that quote that, uh, uh the lie travels halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. Mm-hmm. And that's. People say it's a a Mark Twain quote, which would make it old. That would make it, you know, late 1800s. It's not actually a Mark Twain quote. It's, it's a Jonathan Swift, uh, derived from Jonathan Swift, who, who did a fair bit of his writing in the late 1600s. And that's the same thing that's happening here. This was a problem 
uh, 400 years ago, three, 400, it was probably a problem 4,000 years ago. Uh, I haven't tried to think of an Old Testament reference on this, but I bet there is one. This, it's always been that way where the accusation, the pile on, whether it's justified or not, that's not the issue. This is a content neutral point that I'm making uh, yeah. because many, many times the stuff is, is true. But either way, the problem blows up before the solution to that problem, whether it's fixing something or removing somebody or apologizing or uh, just <sighs> intervening in a useful way, that plays catch up to such a degree that the power is always in the favor of the people making a big deal out of it. That can be a really good thing. It can be a really, really bad thing. And I think it's been that way since like as soon as humans could talk and the fact that they're tweeting it instead or making a goofy TikTok uh, or writing a twit longer makes no difference. The medium has changed, but the actual act is the same. I do not see it getting solved. I just see it being compressed and being actually even easier for the people on the front end of this whole situation uh, and even harder for the people on the back end, whether it's exonerating for uh, a lesser offense or uh, a false one, which, you know, again, most of the time this stuff seems to be true um, or apologizing for bad things that you've done. It's the rift between accusation and apology or judgment gets larger as the media compresses the timeline, you know, to be closer to real time and to involve more people. So it's an age old problem, like literally as far back as you can think that's actually getting worse. Can Twitter address that? I just don't see it. I just don't see any of these companies being able to, solve a problem that is like etched in the DNA of humanity. Well, they can solve their trending problem though, because yes, they can. there's yes. no reason for things to trend. And then you click on why it's trending and it's just 500 people asking why the thing is trending. That is inexcusable. <laughs> they have to be able to fix that. If YouTube can get rid of reply girls, they can, figure out an algorithm that actually understands their own trending algorithm. And uh, maybe at least we can make a little bit of headway that way. I don't know. Any, but, any progress would be welcome on any of these issues. And if it's one, like you say, I think that's a great analogy with the reply, reply girls. It's a similar kind of issue. Um, if, if you can tweak a little thing like that, it's one thing off the to-do list and then maybe gives everybody a little bit more time to pause and, and think deeper on some of these bigger things. Hey, thinking deeper on the bigger things, that's what we like to do. So yeah, let us know, you know your thoughts. This is such a complicated topic that I'm sure will continue to come up over and over again as we yeah. continue our journey here on, on the old internet. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I hope that at some point, I don't know, as it, as it relates to Jenna Marbles, 
I don't know. Like, I hope she's okay. <laughs> I don't know why I care yeah. so much about her, but maybe it is the fact that I did start doing YouTube when she did. And I could see a bit of myself in her journey. And, um, it's just, uh, we don't, we don't have a lot of Jenna marbles in the world. I, I don't think. No, no. So right. losing her is kind of a big deal. Yeah. It's not great. There aren't many of, there aren't many of her. And the, the question is who's next and why, um, this one was a little bit different and a, and a departure from some of the, some of the problems in terms of that self-cancellation and, uh, introspection on her own content and all of that. And that just opens up a lot of possibilities for what's, what's going to happen in the future and, and who's going to do it. Um, you, you talked about, um, you know, you talked about what's, what's coming and I'd like to know from everybody who listens to this show, if you're on a platform that allows for comments, uh, address this, does, does Jen, is Jenna Marbles done? Does she come back? If she does, what does it look like? She actually has gained like a hundred thousand subs since announcing that she's quitting. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Um, which is, is kind of puzzling and funny. Oh which, no. You know, now people are going to do this for just for the attention. Now, now this is going to become a, <laughs> just, a, a trend. Subs. Yeah. People are going to cancel themselves <laughs> and then they'll get a bunch of sympathy and new subs. Oh my gosh. With all the stuff that, that mostly Kevin has brought up here, I really would like to know from everybody who listens, because we do know that you're pretty much high end, high end, sophisticated consumers of online media, much, much more so uh, than uh, the average person on any of these platforms. That's why you're listening to this show, because you, you think a bit more about how it all works. Uh, mm -hmm. So if it's Twitter, uh, drop a tweet and tag us. If it's discord, start it up, tag us on there. Um, you know, let us know what you think about it. If it's YouTube, like drop it in the comments because we, we do read everything. We want to see everything and we want to know more about what you think, particularly on a question like this, where there is not a clear right answer at all. No. And if no. somebody asks me, does Jenna marbles come back? And if so, what does it look like? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So no. if you think you've got an answer, let's hear it. I don't know about it uh, and the answer to any of this, which is why I was so uh, <laughs> interested in talking about it because that's those are the most interesting things to discuss. But uh, anyway, guys, anyways, guys, if you want, you know, want to support the show, go to Patreon.com/slash/TheCreateUnknown. I'm I'm happy to be back, happy to be in your earballs, and uh, we got some great guests coming up. Exciting things are happening. Those of you who haven't gotten your package yet, yeah, uh, I know we do have a backlog. Uh, you know, keep an eye out for your mailbox. If you want to look for your mailbox, look at your mailbox, uh, with eager TCU eyes in the future, then join our Patreon. Other than that, we'll see y'all in the discord until then. See you space cowboys.